So one of the cool things about uh, being a part of a local church, a smaller local church, is we get to be sort of have these moments where we can really join together. Membership for us is about recognizing that family, God has created a family, uh, and membership is our way of saying, hey, we want to be a part of that family. Uh, If you're curious about membership, we'll have a class uh, in January that sort of introduces who we are, what we're about, if you're curious. All right, with that said, I want to start this morning uh, with a brief confession. So do any of you guys have like moments or times in life when like, oh, you do, Mason? Thank you. Uh, Or place that exposes, when you get to that point and it's sort of like, there's this like situation or place that exposes some of your character defects. Have you ever had any? Does anyone like me experience that sitting in traffic? So you can pray for my wife, basically ongoing intercession, that if I ever get stuck in traffic, kind of the worst of my anxiety and frustration comes to the surface. And I think part of this is because I have this expectation that if I am in a car, I should get somewhere quickly, right? So if I was walking to Carmel or running or riding my bike, I don't expect to get there quickly, and I might actually enjoy the long process of getting there. What really throws me off is that I expect to get there quickly to that destination, and when I get stuck in traffic, I actually feel kind of powerless and helpless sitting there because there's either an accident or road work, and all I want to do is get to my destination, but I'm frustrated at getting there. Now, I don't share this story simply to sort of provoke anxiety in you if you hate traffic as well. I share it because I think it is a window into the season of Advent. So if you're not used to Advent, Advent is a season of the church year. Advent specifically means coming or arrival. It's the season of the church year when we are moving and preparing our hearts. We are trying to... And it's the four weeks leading up to Christmas when we are trying to align our hearts with the coming of Jesus, the coming of his kingdom. Now, from early on, uh, there was this expectation and this hope among the Hebrew people that God's kingdom would come in its fullness on earth. Right, that God would build a kingdom here, and as he did, he would take sin and evil and pain and death and struggle, and he would take them out of creation so that we could live at peace with one another and in harmony in the shalom of God. Right? This was a hope from very, very early on. So when we get to the first century, right, the Jewish people are living in the promised land, but they haven't heard from God in 400 years, right? Malachi was the last prophet to write, and they're waiting. Is God going to come? Is he going to fulfill these promises that he made to us? And they're sitting there wondering. And when Jesus comes, it's a little bit different than they expected, right? They're expecting this kingdom to come in its fullness, and what would they get? They get Jesus, who ends up dying, being raised from the dead, forming a group of people, but then ascending to the Father, sending the Holy Spirit, creating this community of his presence and his witnesses in the world. They're going to share about who he is to the ends of the earth. One day, he'll come again. Right? And that's where we're at, located today, waiting for Jesus to come again and establish his kingdom on earth, taking, you know, the this longing we have to be close with God and making it real in the dailiness of life, right? Hoping that God will come into our doubts, 
into our disillusionment, into our in-between spaces, bringing freshness, but also into the brokenness of our world. And it doesn't take long to live on this planet to realize that there is something fundamentally wrong at play. There is evil, and we're hoping, right, that God will come, remove that evil from the world. And as we enter into Advent, right, we're entering into that story, that longing. And as we approach Christmas, we're not just thinking about an event that happened 2,000 years ago, but the coming of the Messiah again. Which brings me back to traffic and driving. So when I'm driving somewhere, I have a destination in mind. And the same is true with Christmas, with Advent, with God's people. We have a destination in mind, right? We are waiting for God's kingdom to come. This is why Jesus says, when he teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. We hope our taken away world, where evil and the destructive powers of this world are taken away. We hope for a world when it's not so hard to connect with the presence of God, where we don't feel so lonely and isolated, where we don't feel so powerless for God to come into the brokenness of our life. Where we can be at peace with one another and there isn't so much fighting. But like me, stuck in a car in traffic, we are powerless to make the kingdom come on earth. Like me, stuck in traffic, I can't sort of turn my car into a helicopter and fly over. It would be super cool, but I can't do that, right? I'm stuck, I'm powerless, I'm waiting for whatever is ahead of me to get dealt with so I can get to my destination. In the same way, we are waiting for the kingdom to come. We are waiting for Jesus in order to address the key problems of 21st century life. Now, if you don't drive, maybe you're in elementary school, maybe you relate to waiting for your birthday or waiting to share a toy or waiting in line at fun places like Disneyland. But it creates this tension in us, this idea of waiting, right? Because we live in this in-between where we're waiting for God to come in powerful ways. And we have to wonder, okay, so what do we do when we see evil in the world? What do we do with that? When we have this longing to be with God and God feels distant, what do we do with that? When there's fighting around us and we're just wanting the peace of God to come, what do we do? This is what Advent is all about. It's the season when we turn to God in this in-between space and ask for him to come. Ask for him to come that we can experience more of him, that his kingdom will come in powerful ways, in the ways that we can't make come in the world. Right? Just as the first century Jewish people longed for a Messiah. So during Advent, we open ourselves up to the longing for the Messiah to come again. Now to help us enter into this longing, for us to kind of work into this in an intergenerational gathering, I want to invite Jeannie, my wife, up here. She's going to tell us a story, uh, a story that brings in Psalm 23, which we read earlier, and John 10 to help us sort of unlock some of this longing that we might have for Jesus and his kingdom. So give her a round of applause. Good morning. I'm very lonely up here on this stage, and this is not where I feel most at home. So I'm hoping there's some small children in the room 
He's a little wigglier than most. And join me on this stage up here. And if you know your child is a little wigglier than most, I accompany the parents, please come with them. Um, otherwise, we're going to do as we normally do and form a circle, but here on this stage. So I'm going to need room for my story. So Mason and Sharon and Sanya, can you guys scoop back because there won't be room for my story. And make sure we make room for everyone. Here, Hannah, over here. This is a good spot for you. And Zane, why don't you sit next to your sister? Come on up. Come on up. There's plenty of room. Sanya, do you want to sit next to Sharon so that way you feel comfortable? Okay. And there might be some room on that second step. We have grown so much that now we barely fit on the stage. Oh, my goodness. Let's see. Okay. I will just need... Gabriel and Malia, can you guys come sit over here by Zane and Hannah? Because they are going to try and show the story to the grown-ups. Now, that means that was so thoughtful. Normally, that would mean you guys get a spot. But unfortunately, you still have to scoot over, maybe together. There we go. Why don't you scoot together? Because I know your friends. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Pretty good. Okay. Now, good morning, everybody. Let's try it again. Can you guys say good morning? Good morning. Okay, do you remember my name? My name is Miss Jeannie. Can you guys say good morning, Miss Jeannie? Good morning, Miss Okay, you guys are amazing. Thanks for joining me, being brave. Now, the, the trick here is to remember that the story is for you, right? And also for grown-ups to know that the story is for them, too. So pay attention and see what it's ready, what God might say to you through the story. Now, I will just address, because it's very obvious, but there's going to be a video camera down here on the ground, which is going to be super tempting to reach and do cool things. And, but for the sake of your grown-ups, let's just not do that this morning, okay? Yeah? We good? Okay. Okay, now I get very nervous in front of so many people. So one of the things that helps me calm down is just to make sure there's nothing in my hands to distract me. So why don't you check, make sure. Make sure you're sitting comfortably, not too close, not too near. Is everyone good? Looks like we're ready. Okay, now I'm going to take a deep breath because it calms my nerves. So join me because it helps us all. And one more, just because all that oxygen is so helpful. It's for us to begin. Okay. All that is left is for us to begin. Now this morning, I have this box. And it's gold. Now gold is the color of things that are often very valuable. I wonder if there's something valuable inside. Sometimes, parables are considered valuable. And they are like a box. Sometimes, even when you want to open them, they won't open. Even if you think that you are ready. I have an idea. Let's open it and see what's inside. I wonder what this is. A blender. 
A blanket. Let's see. It's a little small for me. A tablecloth. That's another idea. Let's see. Let's spread it out. Grass. It does kind of look like grass. It's green like grass. A placement. Very hungry. Huh. I wonder what this could be. A cloud. A cloud. Oh, hold on. One out of ten. I can't hear you out. Water. Well, I can't drink this. A pond, maybe. Let's put it here. You're right. If it's a pond, the ducks could go swimming. <laughs> they, tr they do like to go underwater, don't they? Now, I wonder what these could be. Fish? Birds? Blackbirds? This one's rather big for a bird. I always think it's this. But that's because I'm always tired. <laughs> Hold on, one at a time. Sharon. Land. It could be land. Or rocks. So many. Darkness. Let's put them here. Or a cave. Hmm. It does look like a smiley face, doesn't it? With kind of a wonky eye, huh? <laughs> I wonder what the dirt. Wood. That's a good guess. What about you? Dirt. It could be dirt. It looks like a snake. I don't really like snakes, so I'm going to hope it's not that. A smiley face with spiked hair. There's so many choices. But look, there are so many of them. Look. A field. A tic-tac-toe. A house. Let's see. A stall. A tree house. There are so many. We're just going to keep going. <gasps> I see. It's a sheep pen. For sheep. Where the sheep are. Now I wonder how many sheep live in this pen. Is it this many? No. Is it this many? Or maybe it's this many? I wonder if it's this many and perhaps many, many more. Okay, now... I'm going to tell you those stories. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. There was once a man that did such amazing things and said such amazing things that people followed him. And they wanted to know all about him. 
And one day they asked him, Who are you? And he said, I am the good shepherd. I know each of my sheep by name. When I call them, they follow me wherever I lead them. I lead them to the good green grass. I lead them to the cool, fresh water. Sometimes, sometimes there are places of danger. And even there, I go before them and I show them the way through. count them. And when we get back to the sheep pen, I count them. And if one is lost, I go everywhere looking for it, to the green grass, to the cool water, and even back to the dangerous place. And I find it, and I carry it on my back to the sheep pen. And when my sheep are safely in their pen, I am so happy. I celebrate and invite all of my friends and we feast and feast. This is the ordinary shepherd. And the ordinary shepherd, the sheep do not know his voice. So when he lets them out of the pen, They wander. And even when the wolf comes, the ordinary shepherd but not the good shepherd. The good shepherd will stand in the way and protect the sheep from the wolf, even at the cost of his own life.
and he will gather all the sheep safely back to the sheep pen. Now I wonder, I wonder if these sheep have names. You think so? What do you think? Yeah, Gabriel. Gabriel. Yeah. Do you think this one's you? Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Sharon? Marcella. That's a great name. I think she's a Marcella. Lucy? Jesse. This looks like a Jesse to me. Mason, what do you think? Mason. Mason. Ah. Yeah. Now, I wonder... Lucy. Oh, she called you. (laughs) Now, I wonder... I wonder if you've ever been to a place that has good green grass. Hannah? Is that you raising your hand? Oh, sorry. Gabe, your school. What school is that? Robert Down Down is the place of good green grass. Yeah. It's one of the biggest fields I've seen here. Yeah. Your backyard has good green grass. Yeah. Lily, your next door neighbor's house. I find that good green grass in Pacific Grove. Yeah. Malia. Jewel Park. So we know lots of places of good green grass. What about cool, clear water? Lucy? The ocean. Well said, my dear. Well said. Yes? Lake Chelan from Washington. Nice. Okay. Zane? Oh. Yeah. Lake Huntington. Lakes? Mason? Your back has dirt. Okay. (laughs) It's okay. I'm sure with the pond. Right. And there's, yeah, Zena. In a pond. In a pond. Right. And there are so many places of good, clean water. Now, here's the question. Have you ever been to a dangerous place before? Sharon. Yeah, so when you went hiking, there might have been some mountain lions if we had gone farther. Gabe? You may have gotten a snake, yeah. Malia? Like snakes. <laughs> Josiah. Your dad has hunted a warthog. That's mine there, folks. Okay. Gabriel. Right. Absolutely. I would say a dangerous place has a sharp edge and can fall off 
if you're not careful. Now, here's another question. Have you ever been lost? Yeah. Have you ever been lost? Have you ever been lost? Yeah. There's, I don't know your name yet. Hi. Have you ever been lost? Yeah. yeah. You want to tell me about it? They got stuck on the road in the middle of the night, and you were lost in the middle of the road at night. That would be a frightening experience. Yeah, Lucy. Yeah, so you thought when your parents were doing one thing that they weren't there anymore and that you might be lost. Yeah, okay, Malia. Uh, so he hid from you, and you thought you were lost. Ah, uh, we parents. <laughs> okay, Gabriel, I think it's going to explode if he doesn't get to share. Go ahead. Uh, I almost got lost when I oh. here sometimes. Yeah, you almost got lost when you're getting... I feel like I'm going to get lost coming in here sometimes. Yeah, it's a big place. Okay, last one. Yeah, Sharon. Uh-huh. My mom and dad, I didn't know where they were because they were taking stuff to my new car. Uh-huh. And, and me and my cousins were going to the car. Mm-hmm. And I had to get my jacket because it was cold for my commercial. But she was just there and my mom and dad were there. Yeah. So isn't it amazing how sometimes, especially for us as little ones, when we don't see our parents, or in this case, if we were a sheep and we didn't see the Good Shepherd, we would assume if we can't see him that we're lost. But often, he's right close by, just like our parents are somewhere nearby, and we just don't have eyes on them anymore. And that can be really tricky. Now, I wonder, do you think this Good Shepherd has a name? Or even has he called you by name? Mason, what do you think? You're right. He, I was wondering if he might have a name. He has a sheep. He has a sheep. Shepherd is carrying a sheep. Yeah, what do you think? Joe. I think that's a great name for a shepherd. Joe. We'll call him Shepherd Joe. Anybody else want to name our shepherd? Yeah. Pablo. Okay. I don't mind a Pablo. Yes, Gabe. Gabriel. Now we are the good shepherds. Okay. Last one back here. Joseph. Okay. Well, you guys have done a great job listening. This is our good shepherd. We're going to put him back in our parable. Here are all the sheep. Maricela, Gabriel, Lucy, everybody we want to call them. Here is our sheep pen. And the danger places. And our cool water. And our green grass.
Now, if you guys can quietly find your seat with your grown-ups, that would be amazing. And thank you for listening so well. Yeah. I love hearing Jeannie teach. Isn't she amazing? Now, we read Psalm 23 earlier. The allusions to John 10 are also evident here. John 10 says a few things. Verses 7 and 8, Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And that's, Je- that's who Jesus says he is. And in this story, we learn about the character of the good shepherd. As I, the first time I heard this story, and even this time, the part that really stood out to me is you see that sheep trapped under the rock, right? And the other sheep are in the pen, and it's that sense of helplessness, that sense of needing the good shepherd to come to that place of helplessness, right? I feel like I feel this all the time. It's like, but for the grace of God, but for the good shepherd coming into the brokenness of my life, my wandering, I would never find the green grass or the still waters. Help us make it through the difficult, tricky, but for the grace and goodness of God, the good shepherd, to help us make it through the difficult places, the times when we feel like we are trapped under a rock and needing help. I guess I wonder for you, as you're hearing that story, is there a part that you related to? Right, Jeannie's asking the kids, but what about for you? Do you find these days that you're longing for the good shepherd to lead you to green grass because you feel hungry? Or maybe you're longing to have your thirst satisfied and you need the good shepherd to lead you to a place of spiritual satisfaction. Or maybe you feel lost. Maybe you feel like you're wandering and the world is a dangerous place. And you're not sure where to go or who to turn to. And you find yourself wishing that God was closer. Wishing that God could hold your hand. I guess I wonder this morning, when was the last time you heard the good shepherd call your name? How long has it been since you have heard the voice of God speaking to you. See, Advent is a time when we allow some of these questions, some of these longing practices in particular, push them away in the busyness of the season. There's two practices in particular I'm sort of going to encourage us to embrace during Advent. The first is this, let's just make room for honesty. And what I mean by that is, I think in the busyness of life, it is easy to sort of allow our deeper questions, our deeper longings, you know, some of those places of fear, doubt, worry, anxiety, we sort of push them to the side, you know, binge on Netflix, go to the fridge, wrap tons of presents just to keep those things at bay. But what if we just made even 10 minutes a day just to slow down into the presence of God and allow whatever is true and deep within us to surface? Sometimes for many of us, the holidays are a difficult season. 
What if rather than sort of just running the other way, we made space for some of those challenging things to come up in the presence of God and say, God, I need your help. I think it's also a time for us to make space for others. Maybe this season is awesome for you. You feel good. You're rocking it, whatever. There's a lot of people in this world that aren't. Right? Whether you read the newspaper or, uh, you know, your favorite sort of Google News report, whatever. You can read about the suffering in this world, the injustice in this world, all the people in this world that are struggling and said to God, God, very second. What if Advent became a time when we interceded on their behalf and said to God, God, please come to these people's aid. God, we need you. Even specifically in our neck of the woods. I think most of us know three to five people that are not experiencing much of Jesus these days that we wish could experience more. What if we, in that 10-minute time each day, just took time to pray that Jesus would draw near to them? We're also going to do like a Christmas Eve service which I think is a great time for a lot of folks that maybe feel far from Jesus. They might come in and do carols and hang out with us. We're going to do a Christmas Eve service. I think this would be an awesome time for us to be praying for those folks in our lives and then, you know, inviting them to be with us on Christmas Eve. Now, rather than just diving straight into worship, one of the things we're going to do before we end is we're going to uh, light one of our Advent candles So the reason, if you're not used to Advent or you're used to Advent candles, one of the reasons you have Advent candles is to mark the passage of time as we move up to Christmas morning. And so each week, as we gather on Sunday, we will light one candle. And the candles all have meanings. So the first, it's the historically has been associated with, it's called the prophecy candle. It's the candle that's connected to sort of reminding us that the Old Testament prophets prophesied a day when Jesus would come. And then for us, it's also a time to remember that they prophesied that Jesus would return and establish his kingdom on earth. So with this sort of church throughout history, we're going to invite a family up each week to light those candles. And then we're going to say a prayer together as we transition into worship. Uh, So can I have uh, Jessica, do you guys want to come up? Give them a round of applause, their family. So it's Jessica, Andy, Jacob, Zenia, Sharon, and Santiago. Santi, it's not that bad. I'm okay. That'll be good. So they're going to come right up here. They're going to light the candle. I'm going to invite the worship team up. And we're going to just say a prayer together. And this candle is symbolic of hope. It's the hope candle. And so as they light the candle, we're going to say a prayer that we would be able to sort of really lean into and embrace God's hope for us today. Do you guys find the little thing up there? Awesome. Feel free, yeah. So we're going to pray this prayer together. Father, Son, and Spirit, on this first week of Advent, we proclaim our hope in you. We believe your promises are true. We rejoice in the promise which was fulfilled at our Savior's coming. We trust you for the promise 
that will be fulfilled at the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let your unfailing love rest upon us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Amen. As we enter into worship, let me just pray for us. God, this morning we turn towards you as the first week of Advent draws near. And God, we do, we just ask God that you would help us to be soften our hearts to you this morning. God, that you would create a space for us to be honest and open in your presence. God, just as the first century folks, as they were sort of longing for you to come, God, we long for you to come. And God, in this in-between space, we ask that you would help us to turn towards you. God, with our doubts, our disenchantment, our sense, your worries, our struggles, God, our, just all the ways in which we need you here and we sense your distance. God, give us hope. Give us trust. And as we worship you this morning, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would draw near to us, that we would experience your presence and enter into your joy.